I'm April West. And I'm Katherine Sigblad. We're both first-time moms who are passionate about following our intuition and not afraid to do things differently. To say we question everything is an understatement. If you find yourself analyzing ingredient labels, searching for holistic alternatives to pharmaceuticals and routine practices, and you're curious about all things baby wearing, bed sharing, and postpartum, you will feel right at home here. In this podcast, we fearlessly confront the pregnancy, birth, and postpartum industries, share our mom hacks, and never stop challenging the status quo. We simplify the approach to motherhood and trust in nature. We are moms off the record. I need your consent. I consent. <laughs> okay, there we go. It's informed. Uh, okay. <laughs> you didn't tell me the risks if I don't consent. Um, that you could have an, a very embarrassing video out there in the ether that you don't approve being out there. See? All right, I still consent. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, today's episode of Moms Off the Record is all things birth control. Katie and I will be discussing our experiences personally with birth control, alternative methods to the traditional hormonal birth control, and making sure we're giving you the tools and resources to empower you to better understand the options you have around family planning. And while we recorded this episode, it was our very first one, and we recognized that half of the audio cut out in the middle. So we're sewing this thing together, but in the future, we vow to be better. So thanks for listening. Yes. Thank you, everyone. And also, I love that you call me Katie, which was what everyone called me, including my mom. Um, And for everyone who doesn't know, so April and my mom did yoga teacher training together. And Katie's very nostalgic. But then I went by Catherine and then Kat. And so, yes, I have many names. So, (laughs) who are we today? (laughs) Today, What evolution of Catherine? Schizophrenic. Today, um, all right. Today, I can be Katie just for you. Okay. (laughs) Before we talk about birth control, we should talk about my ignorance. I was 31 years old when I learned how ovulation worked and how a menstrual cycle should work. And now I regret deeply <laughs> being you know, 10 years on a birth control pill. Okay. For me, I am a follower of Organic Olivia. She makes lots of herbs and she's uh, around our age. And I remember reading a blog post of hers that talked about the Daisy Fertility Tracker and Monitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started using that when I was 26. I actually wow. successfully prevented pregnancy only using that, not even condoms wow. for four years. And that's, that's when I really understood how my cycle works, ovulation, but I took it to the next level when I was actively trying to get pregnant with my husband and I bought the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. Uh, That took it about 10 notches deeper. But I knew deep down from my mom that hormonal birth control was dangerous. There are medical risks, such as it increases the risk of breast cancer among a whole litany of things. And I knew it wasn't normal or healthy to miss or try to manipulate your period. That being said, when I was 20 for one year, I was on the pill for the worst reason ever. I had a boyfriend who was 10 years my senior who Mm. basically convinced me to go on it against my wishes 
of course, there wasn't a gun in my head, right? We all have free will. I do take personal responsibility, but sure. it was the worst. I was so excited to get off of it once we broke up. And since then, I've never been on the pill. Um, I've never had an IUD. I never will. And I'm all about natural family planning. Absolutely. So for my story, and I'm sure your story, a lot of women will relate. Like we get on birth control for all of the wrong reasons. But I, so I was on it from the age of 18 to 28. And it wasn't until I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast and he had Dr. Kelly Brogan on, and she was talking about the true cost of hormonal birth control. And so I'm listening to, and it, by the way, it was the first long forum discussion I had ever heard on birth control because you don't hear that at the doctor. In fact, I don't even think you need a prescription anymore to get it. I think you can just have it what? delivered to your door at this point. Yeah, it's wild. But the aha moment I had was, oh my God, we've been tricking our body into preparing for an embryo every single cycle. And she was like, don't even just think about what that does on a hormonal level, but think about what that does on a psychological level. And it was that moment I told my boyfriend, I'm like, this is over. (laughs) And yeah. And uh, it was pretty shocking to me that none of this, you know, we talk about informed consent and informed refusal. And I, I think because you have a, a nurse mom and a surgeon dad, maybe you can kind of share your perspective on what that means. But if we had that in this context, I think a lot of women would truly learn about how their cycles work. Absolutely. I think with informed consent, uh, there's almost no doctor who really does it, right? They, they selectively will tell you about the risks when it benefits them, right? Sure. But at the end of the day, when the way our society and the medical model is set up where doctors make money off of uh, prescribing drugs, including hormonal birth control, and uh, there's very influential, powerful people behind the manufacturers of birth control. So, of course, it wouldn't behoove them to say, hey, you know, this could really mess with your moods. It could make you depressed, suicidal, increase your risk of breast cancer, cause mineral deficiencies. And it's not even a real bleed. It's a period bleed. Oh, by the way, do you still want hormonal birth control? Not once have I heard of a doctor say that. And it really caused me to kind of just, you know, go like, why am I doing these routine gynecological visits in the first place? Mm -hmm. I'm healthy. I'm young. I learned so much more by being self-taught, like from the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility and from the documentary, the business of birth control by Ricky Lake, mm-hmm. who also did the business of being born. I learned, isn't it funny that we learn so much more from these books and documentaries than we do from someone who has an MD? Mm-hmm. Who is a trusted authority in the medical community, by the way. There's a yeah. lot of pressure there, too. For me, like I said, I was 30 years old when I learned about my cycle. I had no idea what was what was going on in my body. And I wish that even in health class, I would have learned more than don't have sex because you're going to get pregnant. Because then when it comes time to get pregnant, I'm over here scratching my head. Like, how does this thing work? Like we have sex, boom, we got a baby. And it's just (laughs) not like that. So, and when we were talking off the record, I really like what you had mentioned about hormonal birth control being classically we think of it as this empowering thing you know feminists really love it it's like we're taking our sexuality back but i really liked what you said about it. it's actually disempowering do you want to share your thoughts yeah. on it 
Yeah, uh, so much to say about that. So a few weeks ago, Julian, my son and I, we went to this moms and babies uh, support group. And it's led by a local IBCLC slash just, um, I, I don't know, she, she has a, a bunch of different credentials. So the prompt was go around the room, introduce yourself and say one game changer for you in postpartum. So the very first individual, she looked like a young mom, maybe early 20s. She said a game changer for her has been birth control. I thought to myself, oh, this is going to be pretty interesting. I, w- I want to hear what she means by this. Because I, I saw her baby looked like a fraction of the age of Julian. Like her baby must have been two weeks or three weeks old. And... She was like, yeah, the birth control pill has been great. And we're like, and sh- the support leader was like, oh, yeah, tell us more about that. And she said, well, you know, it's going to allow my husband and me to be intimate again in postpartum. And we don't have to deal with the stress of not knowing whether we're going to get pregnant without us wanting to get pregnant. And instead of the support, the, the guide of this group, instead of her saying like, well, that's a great desire to have, right? You want to be, I get it. You want to be in control of your destiny when it comes to pregnancy planning Mm -hmm. and spacing it out. But it doesn't have to be so black and white. Did you know that there's non-hormonal versions? Did you know there's a risk? Did you know, like an IBLC should say, did you know you can actually decrease your milk supply if you go on hormonal birth control? So. Another great example of how we're really failing at providing informed consent, even from just people who are supposed to be our number one support systems, right? The Mm -hmm. the IBCLC, the mother's support guides. And there's so many young women who think they're making the best choices for their body and they have good intentions and they're so misguided. And I don't mean to say that in a sanctimonious way, like, oh, I know so much and they don't. I remember back in the day when I had no idea what basal body temperature was or or that you could only get pregnant six days out of the month. Back in the day, that was like a year ago for me. Okay, well, that that was less than 10 years ago for me. You know, all that is to say both of us went the majority of our lives without understanding that. And, you know, that this also goes back to saying this is stuff that our great grandmothers and the women who preceded them, this is stuff that they embodied, they knew. And I feel like what happened to our wise ancestors who... It's just like getting back to the basics. They're yeah. minimalist, right? They're, they're not trying to manipulate nature in their right. bodies. And that to me is empowering. What's disempowering yes. is telling women the only way you can plan and prevent pregnancy is through a pill, which has a whole list of psychological and physical and social and emotional consequences. And why is that? It's really simple. Because doctors aren't going to make money if they prescribe natural family planning to or you. Or education. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make money off of that. That's yeah. not how the system works. So once our eyes can be open to that major flaw in the system, hopefully people will start to wake up about the other ways doctors are actually incentivized and what, what else is being hidden from them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And just to kind of hit the disempowering point home is... While we think that we're taking our sexuality and and family planning in control, what we're doing is we're masking the underlining ignorance of not truly knowing how our body works and having such an intimate understanding of our body that we'll know when and how we can become pregnant. So where we got cut out was talking through the implications of other hormonal birth control outside of the pill. So we had a 
a pretty long discussion around IUD. And so I'd really love to hear your thoughts on that. And because they, I think you had said it's a misnomer for hormonal birth control because it's not really hormonal, but isn't it? Right. Okay. So here's my simple thoughts on IUD is, and again, this is probably going to be triggering for some people who do choose the IUD or think it's a better option for them or their family than traditional hormonal pill birth control. However, the fact of the matter is like, let's just go back to what our ancestors did. I I always ask myself, like, what would our ancestors have done? Let's keep it simple. Let's go back and see what's most natural. And the bottom line is it's not natural to have a copper device in your body. That's all. So some of these IUDs are hormonal and some are marketed as the non-hormonal IUD. However, if you have a non-hormonal IUD in it's not going to have necessarily the same direct impact as the hormonal birth control pill would. But there are long-term implications for your body. Not to mention that there's been so many anecdotes of it accidentally getting dislodged. There, There can be extreme pain, cramping. To me, it just seems like why not... And you know, forgive me if I'm making this too simplistic, but also don't forgive me, you know, like why not just learn about how our bodies work, learn to track your cycle, understand that there's really only six days a month you can get pregnant, Mm. which should be really empowering. You really shouldn't have that much to be concerned over unless you and your partner are actually doing it every day, which I mean, if you are in your 30s, I guess, bless you. And if you're, if you're in your 30s or especially if you're a new mom or even if you don't have kids, like that's exhausting. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, that's a lot of us, but it should actually calm you down that there's only six days a month. And of course, anytime we discuss this, April, I know that there's going to be exceptions to the rules. With IUD, I personally have never had one. There's nothing that any practitioner or friend would say to me to convince me to get one. It The ends don't justify the means. It's pretty simple. And I don't believe in putting foreign objects in our body. And bottom line, I also don't believe that nature wants us to trick our bodies into thinking we're pregnant when we're not something about that doesn't add up. And you know what actually reminds me of, do you remember about 10 to 15 years ago, getting Botox injected in your armpits to reduce sweating was all the rage? You know, I didn't hear about that 10 to 15 years ago, but more recently, like three years ago. Okay. Specifically. So this is so nuts. I remember one of my first jobs out of college in New York City, and this uh, this woman was bragging about it like it was the best thing since sliced bread. She was like, and I just got Botox injections in my armpits. It was so easy. Insurance covered it. It was so worth it. And now I never sweat. And, you know, I, I didn't really understand all the physical consequences of really manipulating our bodies like that in that specific way. But I can tell you something was like red flags were going off in my head, but your body sweats for a reason, right? You're supposed to sweat. So what happens if you're tricking your body and your body isn't sweating? What inflammation, what, what toxins are you holding on to? Communicating to you, right? All all because you are embarrassed or ashamed to have pit stains, just even just get a different antiperspirant. I don't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but that's what IUD reminds me of is we're, we're thinking like this is empowerment. We know we're not going to, there's no chance or such a small 
small chance we'll have a baby for five years, 10 years, whatever it is. But what do you think your body is going to be like in 20 years from now after prolonged use of an IUD? Right. Why is stripping your body of its natural physiology considered empowered? Right. And I think that... We have body hair. We have periods. Yeah. Why is that bad? Yeah. And it's meant to be bad and we're meant to feel shame over it. So in regards to the IUD, I think that it's a combination of like people think maybe this is their only or best option. I know anytime I used to have annual routine OB checkups or like a pap smear visit, I never received any information on natural family planning, how my cycle worked. It was just like, can I prescribe you birth control? Or like, oh, have you considered an IUD? Um, For so long, like condoms worked and they have great, more sustainable brands as well. And just, again, understanding how your cycle works and tracking your cycle. And I don't know why that's so taboo. It's really what, if you think about it, it's what our great grandmas and generations before them did before the invention of IUDs and birth control pills. Totally with you. Totally with you. And I think that kind of stems back to the education of how our cycles work. You and I have talked about that, of the importance of learning that. I think another element we need to add to the equation is informing our partners of that, especially I'm directing this more to the youthful girls who still might be embarrassed about their periods. And I'm a part of a Facebook page called Girls Love Travel. And one of the younger girls on there was like, do you tell your boyfriend when you're on your period? What what do you say when they want to have sex and you're on your period? And I commented, yeah, you tell them you're on your period. It shouldn't be a mystery. Uh, an example, I visited my midwife earlier today and I was telling her about the podcast and talking about the birth control episode. And she said, wholeheartedly, we need to be explaining this to our young boys. So something for Julian to know is how female anatomy works. You'll decide when that's appropriate. But she gave the example when she was early in college, her boyfriend asked, how do you go pee when you have a tampon in? So sad. And- it's so sad that <laughs> that's how it's perceived by, by young men. Yeah. Oh, and sometimes yeah. young women who aren't given um, the, the education. Party right. one over here. Right. Yeah. So I think that's incredibly important is just getting back to the education, truly understanding your body, your physiology, not being ashamed or embarrassed of it. And hey, if ultimately you understand with informed consent the ramifications that could potentially happen of having IUD or having hormonal birth control, and you still make that decision, more power to you. But we just want to make sure that we're educating and providing those tools and resources so you know what options are out there. Yes. Speaking of which, let's talk about, you had mentioned when you went to your pap smears, you never heard about natural family planning. Provide us some examples of that. What have you used now that you're... uh, Okay. Well, actually, you mentioned something really important that I want to quickly go back on, which is informed consent, because um, what I found 99% of the time is anytime you're at any specialist appointment, their version of informed consent is, I will just tell you the benefits and risks as it benefits me. Meaning, if I want to fear monger you or scare you into a decision, I'm going to emphasize the risks, right? And I'm not going to tout the benefits. But if I want you to get this prescription, then I'm really only going to say, oh, well, nothing bad can happen and it's all good. So 
sometimes we think we're getting informed consent, like, oh, the IUD, like, you know, it's great. There's no side effects. But I just want to remind our listeners that anytime you hear someone tell you there's no side effects to something, you have to say, really? Like, there's even side effects if you take a Tylenol pill. They even say on on the label, like, you can have liver problems if you take too much. So I just wanted to quickly say that. Yeah, it doesn't pass the sniff test. If somebody's (laughs) telling you that there's no side effects... You just immediately are like, that doesn't pass a sniff test. That stinks. Yeah. So, and also, you know, just like with anything in life, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Okay. But going back to to what you had asked. So basically the only time I had used hormonal birth control um, was the pill for one year for the wrong reason. You know, that, that ex I had from a decade ago pressured me into it. So fast forward, I, as someone who's always been holistically minded, I was always interested in non-invasive, non-medical, non-pharmaceutical options for preventing pregnancy in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan you, of... By the way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a huge fan of Organic Olivia. You guys can find her on Instagram. I've been following her for, I don't know, like ever since 2013. And she is an herbalist. She's all about holistic natural remedies for literally everything. She has her own e-commerce line of, I think, Western and Eastern herbs for every single ailment. And she had a a great blog post on the Daisy Fertility Monitor. And basically, think of it as a more modern version um, and an actual device that would connect to your iPhone. So it's not just you guessing and tracking manually, but it actually is a basal body temperature thermometer. So you'd put it under your tongue. You have to make sure you take it first thing in the morning after at least a four hour stretch of sleep, I want to say. Okay. Um, and you take it first thing in the morning. It takes three cycles in a row for it to learn your cycle and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. And you never have to be like, oh, you know, should I, shouldn't I? In other words, having unprotected sex, like yeah. you talk about empowerment. It will tell you like you're, you're in the clear using this, the efficacy is the same efficacy as using the hormonal birth control pill. The only difference is you're not taking any hormones, right? It's literally a thermometer and you can see all your data tracked in the app and it's predictive. So it will tell you like, Oh, looking into next month, it looks like Mm -hmm. this is going to be your fertile window, right? The six days. Yeah. Your ovulation day and the five days prior to ovulation and then these are all the days that uh, you don't have to worry about getting pregnant. Wow. So, By the way, so was this it. what you used when you were trying to conceive Julian? So good question. No, actually, but it was what I used for four years to prevent pregnancy before I even had babies on my mind. Right. And I was so, but I'll get into Julian soon. I was so shocked at how it worked because, and I think you and I discussed this earlier too. We're taught that like, oh my gosh, you have sex one time, you're going Mm -hmm. to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And it's so clear to me now that health, health ed educators and parents, teachers, they do this to scare you because to them, it's so black and white. But to me, it's the equivalent is like telling someone if you, and I'm not suggesting you don't wear your seatbelt, like if you get in the car one time and don't wear your seatbelt that one time you will probably get you will probably die right good analogy it's kind of like that right like yes yeah. it is risk there's always a risk with everything in life but you could yes improbable. i hope not but you, you probably won't right especially yeah. if it's a five minute drive 
it took two cycles once I had finally learned about how ovulation works and there's like this magic day with plus or minus a couple days on either side. It only took me two cycles to get pregnant. And when you think about how statistically improbable it is to get pregnant, if you're just kind of on a whim, not tracking anything, if we had that firm understanding and knowledge of how our body works, I think we'd be so shocked. And we'd also kind of feel like, man, I really got screwed. Yes. (laughs) I could have, you know, I remember being on the birth control pill and maybe missing a pill and, you know, having unprotected sex and thinking, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. It's like April. Calm down, boo-boo. It is a (laughs) 0.00 something percent chance because you're on the wrong day of your cycle. You know, I actually do think that it took me seven cycles and which in six months to get pregnant with Julian. I think it took me a longer time because I got the COVID vaccine, which I completely regret. But I will tell you something that helped my periods return back to normal and become more regular and something that I I attribute to finally getting me pregnant was two things. I did twice a week fertility acupuncture. There's a woman here in St. Pete who's amazing, Dr. Holly Durning. And I was taking the organic Olivia natal um, nourish, which is a tincture. I was taking that every single day. And I finally think my body detoxed itself of the vaccine. I noticed my periods went back to normal because after the vaccine, they had become just one to two days long and super light, which was totally abnormal for me. I always had like a normal 27-day cycle. I'd bleed for like yeah. four to five days. And I yeah. really didn't have PMS symptoms. So that's, wow. that's what I did there. But I will say this, like he, talk about keeping it simple, being a minimalist, non-invasive, just right now, just condoms. And then in general, just tracking your cycle. And then the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility, and that should be every woman's Bible, Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler. Weschler. Okay, cool. I think for for what I used, not as a prevention mechanism, but as a planning mechanism was Premom. Did you ever use that app or heard of that? I know about it. Okay. So tell me what you liked about it and what worked for you. So it was an ovulation strip test kit. But it also learned your windows based on more data that you input, right? So it wasn't as simple as taking your temperature, but it did track your hormonal levels and your urine. And so then you just literally take a picture of the test strip. And depending on how dark the uh, test strip became, it would associate that with, uh, you know, this is your fertile window. But Anyway, you put it into the app and then, as you said, it starts to calibrate against your cycle. So then I became aware like, oh, I don't have a general 28-day cycle like most women. It's actually 26 days, which would shift your ovulation day. So not everybody ovulates on day 14 of their cycle. Yes. So follow-up question for you, April, is what's your plan now in postpartum when, you know, you guys are doing it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are, is it going to be condoms? Is it going to be no condoms, just withdrawal? Or is it going to be a combination or just tracking your cycle? Because, because well, here's, and you know, follow apart to that, the tricky thing is obviously ovulation will occur before our first period. And I don't think you've yeah. had your first period yet, right? Because no. we're exclusively breastfeeding, neither have I. I. Most of my girlfriends have kids who are about a year to two years old. And I have one girlfriend I'm thinking of in particular who she has like a 14 month old and she just got her period back like a month ago. Yeah. 
And my one of my midwives was actually saying that she didn't get her period, I think, for like a year and a half or something. And she breastfed for three years. Meaning things do change in postpartum, right? It's not the same kind of cycle tracking. We have to be mindful of that. So unless we plan on taking an actual ovulation test every single time, which can be pricey. Yeah. Yeah. That's all to say. So I uh, love that you call it the withdrawal method because I've just been more of a street girl saying pull out. (laughs) And that was the method that we used for the four years of our relationship up until we wanted to get pregnant. So that worked out, not endorsing that unless you're both exclusive, of course, and you're, you're sure you're healthy. Another thing I learned though, when I was trying to get pregnant is you can actually test your cervical mucus. Like your cervical mucus can tell you as an indicator if you're ovulating or not. Do you want to talk about that? So true. I do want to talk about it. So, I mean, plus one to that. I, I did that as well. I never did that in a silo, meaning I would never just track it. I I like to take a bunch of different data points together and then aggregate them and then draw conclusions like, okay, how am I feeling? Like, am I in the mood? Okay, that's a sign. Cervical fluid. And then also just for good measure, let me just like take an ovulation test. But tell me more about your experience with it. Yeah, well, I didn't know. And also I wasn't very intimate with myself. So when I was trying to get pregnant, my older sister, she's a nurse, has three babies herself. And she was like, April, you need to take a mirror to yourself and you need to check yourself out and you needed to get to know yourself. I didn't even know where my cervix was, right? Like I was just so blind and ignorant to navigating the female anatomy. And so she's like, is your cervix hard or soft? And I'm like, excuse me, what? (laughs) Where is that? So then she's like, oh God, April. Okay. So here's where your cervix is. Here's how you can touch it. It should touch like the tip of your nose if it's hard or if the lobe of your ear, if it's soft. Um, She talked about the thickness of your mucus. It should be thin if you're ovulating, right? Because then it's going to come down. Egg white, egg white. Egg white, (laughs) right. So I wouldn't solely rely on that, like you had mentioned, for a birth control mechanism, but it was eye-opening. There's all these beautiful indicators that your body gives you. And like you had said, the urge, like that's not a coincidence, right? If your body is primed for making a baby, your psychology is going to say, let's make this baby. And you're going to be in tune with that and in the mood. So all of those elements are really informative and I think empowering. Yes. And I want to say one note on how the cervix feels. That is one uh, significant part of Tony Weschler's book. And to me, I don't know about you, but I am all about, you know, learning more about myself and understanding how my body works. But there's something about touching the cervix that is like pulling apart a cotton ball or like nails on a chalkboard for me. Is you the grrrs? Yeah. And so I'm like, I just, I can't do it. It's not that I'm grossed out by it. It's just, it's that weird sensation. So I was able to look at all the markers of ovulation except for that one. I was like, I think I'm going to pass. The cervical fluid tells enough, I think. Think. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, our bodies are so beautiful. It's it's such a miracle when you look at the female body. It's just incredible. And when you learn about it, show me something more powerful on this planet than the woman's body. Besides 100%. her, besides her uh, intuition and will. <laughs> yes, seriously. And if, if you think about it, like, why is it that all of these, you know, MDs and 
and all these professionals who are supposed to, right, they're supposed to know more than we do because they went to medical school and they're, they're, they're supposed to be prescriptive. I find it funny that you never really learn about understanding mm-hmm. your cycle, cervical fluid, natural family planning. Why is that? Well, it's pretty simple. They, they would be out of business so quickly. Yeah. You can't make money prescribing a patient. Here's how you plan for a family naturally. Yeah, so their, no. their colleagues would laugh There's them no out of the room. There. Right. Yeah. And I think another point of this is that kind of um, condition shame. Like, for example, your cervical mucus, your discharge, as we call it, which just makes it feel gross anyway. We, I, at least for me, I know I was like so ashamed of that, embarrassed by that. I'm like, there's something wrong with me. What is this? Why is it this color today and not this color tomorrow? And it's just a part of that conditioning as we are young women to say like, ew, that's unnatural. That's weird. That's gross. And it's not. And it's something that we should be praising because our body is communicating with us. Yes. And so here's, here's my biggest takeaway from all of this is true empowerment is not prescribing a teenager or a woman a pill to, quote, solve all her problems, whether that be acne, mood swings, bad cramps, planning, preventing pregnancy. And it's also weight. not putting, yeah, weight. It's also not putting a copper device in your body. Mm-hmm. But true empowerment is real informed consent, meaning I'm going to show you the black box insert and warning with every single potential side effect and risk. And I'll also tell you what could be good about these options. And then I'm going to let you, the patient, decide because you know your body and your family best. That's yeah. empowerment. But then beyond that, I mean, personally, real empowerment is not needing any of those devices and actually just knowing your body so well. And then if you want to be safe, there's great natural condoms out there. There's really good brands. Just Do you know yeah. of any? I, I haven't been in the condom industry. I'm not going to lie. So tell me if you know some, what are they? So I like Sustain, however, or I guess they were bought out by Grove. You can only, you have to have get a subscription. If you have a Grove subscription, any of you out there, you can get the Sustain brand. But there is another brand, maybe it's Cake, I want to say. But like you, you know, pretty comfortable with the pullout method too. Yeah. Just because, yeah, if if you know when you're ovulating or not, it's, it's not that worrisome anymore. Yeah. Exactly. And I think we're in a place in our life, well, not immediately right now, but we're in places in our lives where if we did get pregnant, it's like... A hundred percent. Yeah. And there's that element of, well, if it happened, it's meant to be, whether you want to believe that or not. And of course, even if it was premature, we would make the most of it, right? You figure it out. Mm-hmm. Personally, for me, I would love to wait at least a year and a half, Yeah, especially with the C-section and, you know, I'm, I want to do a V-back and all that. But again, it's obviously a lot less scary for us in our 30s than it would be at, you know, in our teens or 20s. Right, right. All right. Well, let's wrap this episode with any final recommendations of resources. So you had mentioned the Daisy app. I had mentioned the pre-mom ovulation kit. And by the way, it was like $8 on Amazon um, and the app is free. So it's, it is an alternative. It's not as expensive as say a prescription. What else? You had mentioned the Taking Back Your Fertility, is it? Oh yeah. Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony, T-O-N-I, Weschler. Okay. Anything else? You had mentioned the business of birth control documents. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for reminding me. 
So if any of you have seen The Business of Being Born, you know, by Ricky Lake, it's also produced by her. This is The Business of Birth Control. Just Google it. You can stream it likely from their website. So yeah, check that out too. Yeah. And if you're eager for a long form discussion, Joe Rogan Experience podcast had Dr. Kelly Brogan. That was a nearly three hour podcast talking all about wow. history, the implications, like you'd said, the, the consequences of tricking your body every month to prepare for a pregnancy for a decade in my case. Wow. Um, so. Yes. There's a ton of information out there. The bottom line that the moms off the record want to leave you with is that knowing your body intimately, reading your cues, that's the best form of birth control and family planning that you can do if you want to be natural and stick to your roots. Yes. And birth control will not solve your problems. It is not a miracle pill, the hormonal birth control. Um, The only way you're really going to do that is if you get to the root cause which will be very difficult if you're relying on allopathic Western medicine. So if you are concerned with cramps or acne or weight, you know, I would say maybe see an acupuncturist, maybe see a naturopathic doctor. Or organic Olivia. Maybe she has some words of wisdom on there. Shout out to organic Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) Olivia for the win. Yes. All right. Well, thank you listeners for tuning in. Apologies again for the disconnected audio, but we will keep an eye on that in future episodes and we're only going to get better. That's right. All right. Thanks guys. Okay, today's episode of Moms Off the Record is all things birth control.